Bretto, did you know? No, what MP? That studies show white tea is healthier for you than green tea. Wow, MP. That's right. US studies are now showing that white tea kills viruses and bacteria, whilst green tea only stimulates the immune system to fight disease. Better yet, MP, white tea is lower in caffeine, which is good for people like me, richer in antioxidants and great for digestion and a super detox remedy. White tea is no fat either, Bredo. The Chinese have been drinking it up for over 1,000 years and now our Wellness Couch tribe can enjoy the same benefits with Lotus Peak White Tea. Grown in mountainous regions of China in accordance with the ancient Chinese traditions and expertise without chemicals and pesticides, Lotus Peak White Tea is good for you inside and out. Certified organic and Australian-owned Lotus Peak White Tea is available in Woolworths, Coles, Safeway and a range of health food stores. To find out more, go to lotuspeak.com.au. Lotus Peak White Tea, an affordable way to stay and feel healthy. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. Hey, Brett, this episode's brought to you by Forage. Forage. Love my Forage cereal, Damo. My Forage Paleo with uh, such a great way to start the day. I make my little homemade almond meal, uh, almond milk, I should say. I put some uh, strawberries on it. It's yum. beautiful. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I love Forage. Um, I created it with your health in mind, and obviously I created Paleo because you told me to. And uh, <laughs> so thank you so much for that. But this episode is brought to you by Forage. It's a great tasting, incredibly healthy, no added nasty muesli range that uh, I created to help you stay well. So if you want to see more about it, go to www.foragecereal.com. Hi, this is Damien. And this is Brett. Hey, Brett, eh? G'day, mate. Welcome home. Thank you, mate. Good to be home. Great to be back. Uh, back in the swing of things. Great interview today with Ben Carvoso, um, the founder of uh, LifeCEO.com. And uh, and Ben and I actually knew each other from um, Tarogan days, so or when I moved to Tarogan. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we talk about that in the interview. But what I was really impressed about with Ben is how he's able to spin on a dime. Like he... He was a great. He was a great chiropractor. Seriously, a great chiropractor. Very, very busy practice. People loved him to bits, and he had a very successful practice in a country town that was, you know, destitute. It was mm. very poor town in Melbourne or outside of Melbourne called Mowi, uh, which man Mowi stands with stands for moccasins on everyone. So that's that's, that's <laughs> so not sh- not really expensive French champagne. No, no? not at all. Not not Moet, <laughs> but Mowi. <laughs> and uh, and so he made things work there. Anyway, um, his wife is a naturopath. Got a, you know a number of beautiful children, and then he had an accident. He goes through a funk in his life. Really tough life. You know, tough life point. Um, definitely not a tough life, but had a, a time in his life where it was difficult and then spun it around to then go and create another business and then he's become a coach and a mentor. And it was really nice for me to hear how well he's done because he, I, I think he's done really great things and uh, he helped yeah. a lot of people. Well, and I like his approach to it, Damo, because it, as he was talking, it kind of reminded me of another book that I read, a book called The E-Myth Revisited. Have oh, you read that? Just, yeah, yeah, with Michael Such Gerber. a great Michael book, yeah. yeah. And and that was such a good book and such a formative book for me when I was starting out a business. And, yeah. and we might have to put that on our new website and our affiliate shop as well, Damo, because that's yeah, a ripper. That is but, a great um, book. 
it was such a good book because it really helped you see all the different sides that you needed to think about in order to have a great business. And and as someone who was, you know, at the time for me, a great chiropractor, great but technician. didn't really know a lot about running a business, yeah. it was so useful to to get sort of bigger world view on things. And I kind of feel like this book is taking the same idea but applying it to your whole life, not just your business. And so this idea of, you know, being the CEO of your own life, you know, some people will look at that and think, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to make my life a business. You know, I want to have love and fun and all those other things. Well, he's telling you how to do that. Mm. And it's how to incorporate all of those different facets of what makes a great life and, you know, all the things you and Marcus talk about in 100 career and Taking all of those different facets and applying them and focusing on all the different areas so that you can have a great life. So I really like the approach. I think it's great. Great points, Brett. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Let's get into the podcast and let people listen to this great wisdom from Ben Carvosso. G'day, Brett. G'day, Damo. How are you, mate? Very well, mate. I'm refreshed. I'm tanned. I'll tell you what, if you saw me walking down the street, you'd have to take a second look because my tan's that good. That's what's going Damo. on. Damo, well, welcome home, mate. Ikaria, how was it? Well, Ikaria was amazing. You know, we went the first time a couple of years ago. Um, I nearly called Marcus Brett. I went with Marcus, and <laughs> um, it was it was unreal. But then we went this time, and it just it just topped the charts. It was such a... An amazing experience. We had more insights, new insights, um, new activities too, which was kind of cool. We caught up with Yanni and Joanna, who are the 97 and 98-year-old um, couple that live up on the hill, and we went into their house, and they told us some more stories. That was pretty exciting. There's just so many great things. I can't wait to tell you all about it, mate. But today we're joined by one of my great friends. I've known Ben for about 20 years, and um, I met him because I moved out of Tarog, and I thought I was going to the Yarra Valley, but I ended up in the Latrobe Valley. I, I picked the wrong valley to go to. And um, I, I ended up in Terelgan to meet um, a lady whose name was Karen, and I was going to be a naturopath. And so I was a naturopath in Terelgan, and I met up with um, a beautiful chiropractic couple, Diane Gary Coleman, and I often talk about Gary as uh, one of the, the pivotal reasons why I got into chiropractic. And they introduced me to this character, Ben Carvosso, and his wife, Michelle Carvosso, and she's a naturopath. And they had this cranking practice, unbelievable practice in, um, in Maui. And Benno um, went to Fiji one year and had a stack, fell off a tree and broke his, um, his feet and stopped practicing. And I was shocked. And he has, you know, a number of beautiful kids and, um, Jackson's about the same age as his oldest daughter, and I think that one day they'll meet up in a nightclub somewhere and, and have a good time. But Benno sent me a book recently called Life CEO that he'd written, and I thought, what a great opportunity to get Ben onto the podcast and, uh, and talk all about what he's been up to and how he's changed his life and how he's um, made it unbelievable, because the book reads unbelievably well. So I thought I'd bring him on. So Benno, welcome to the Wellness Guys. Thanks, Domo. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me on. Benno, um, it's it's quite a it's a surreal experience um, knowing somebody for twenty years, and then um, you told me that you were you were writing a book, and I said, oh, that's great. I, I think it was called the On Button. I think you told me about a project called the On Button, or something like that. And, and I pictured in my mind that's what it was going to look like. That, and then I get this book, and it's this beautiful cover of a really handsome fella. Look, he looks like you on the front cover. Says Life CEO, um, take charge and start doing your life's work, not your busy work, which, you know, for many people that kind of go, they're just stuck in busyness every single day. And, uh, and you kind of open the book going, this could be great. And when you read through the book, it's great. How did you tell us, how did you get to the point of being a chiropractor, then, you know, traveling through to now writing a book, which is a great book, by the way. 
Thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, look, to keep it, get a long story really short, I, as you mentioned, I, I was a chiropractor for probably 12, 13 years and I fell out of a palm tree. And it was one of those defining moments, Be, not, not so much because of the fall out of the palm tree, because I fell out of the tree, busted up my foot, got home, and I actually thought to myself, hey, this is a great opportunity, pardon the pun, to have a break, take three months off, you know, read some books, walk around the house in my dressing gown, pretend I'm Hugh Hefner, and, uh, you know, it'll be great. Three months later, I'll get the cast off. I'll get back to practice. Life will be great. Well, I got the cast off three months later, and unfortunately, I couldn't walk. And that wasn't part of the plan. What do you mean? And so you couldn't I, walk? Was it still broken or something, was it? What it, was, it, was, it was just all seized up. You know, the whole foot had been smashed up. It was all seized up and yeah. it kind of got a bit arthritic. And, and I couldn't walk. And I remember going to a, a mate of mine, Paul Munch, who you know, and a chiropractor the day after I had the cast off and I was up there and I can remember washing the foot in his bath and starting to sob because my life did not meet my expectations of how my life was going to turn out. And it happened, unfortunately, pretty quickly. Uh, I got into a depressed state. When I say a depressed state, it was a state that I chose to do because my life wasn't working out like I had planned. So I spent three to six months miserable. And I can remember my wife saying to me, you know, what's wrong? You know, you've got great family, you've got great kids, your practice is still going great even though you're not there. What's going on? You know, I go, I don't know. I just, I just feel miserable. Then uh, the Christmas of that year, a mate tapped me on the shoulder and he said, mate, look, you've got time off at the moment. Uh, you know, we're building a, a medical centre. I'd love to put something in next door. And you know a bit about radiology. But what about building a radiology practice? And instantly, in that instant, I decided to stop doing the depressed state because one of my core values, the values of creation, got fired up again. And instead of doing the misery stuff of depression, I connected back with my value and I built a radiology practice. Now, as a chiropractor, we know how to, to read x-rays and we can take basic spine x-rays, but really I didn't know about radiology from a medical perspective. But we built a building and employed staff and bought equipment and I built my first radiology practice. So that was the start of the transition from being a chiropractor into a radiology practice owner. Uh, and then I, I built four practices over the next seven years. Um, we had comprehensive x-ray, ultrasound and CT. Uh, and then someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, mate, um, you know, you're annoying. Can you, can you go? We want to we buy you out. <laughs> really? Wow, that's hilarious. Uh, so, so I sold my radiology practices, and during that period, I shifted back to kind of my home area, which is the Mornington Peninsula, um, and had uh, had bought a chiropractic centre. And it's, it's interesting, this centre I'd driven past for years as every time we sort of came home to the Mornington Peninsula, and I said, when am I going to buy that practice? And I didn't know what was in it, but I just loved the outside of the building. I just loved the environment. Well, I found myself, whatever it was, years later, and I bought this practice. So uh, I started practicing chiropractic um, back again in that in that practice. And but not long after I'd sold the radiology practice, someone called me and said, "Mate, you know, we just uh, we need some advice on radiology. Uh, we're looking at opening another clinic. Uh, could you give us some some advice on how to do that in radiology?" And at the time, I remember my wife. Uh, she's always saying to me, "Benny." Stop giving your advice for free. You've spent years doing personal development, practice management, and business development, and people keep coming to you to get advice, and you give it freely. Stop doing it. 
And so this guy wanted some advice. So I, I can hear wait. Michelle saying that. I can hear it. Yeah. I can actually see her sitting down saying Yes. Yeah. Waving her finger. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so this guy wanted some advice. I said, mate, I'll probably need a couple of hours on Monday. Um, I'm 150 bucks an hour. And he went, okay, see you Monday. And I hung up and went straight into Michelle. Guess what? I'm getting paid for advice. And then instantly I'm on, next to the minute I'm on Google searching coaching advice. You know, how do you do it? How, how does this actually work? What is this thing Love about it. getting give advice? And so that started my coaching journey. Um, and uh, that was whatever that was, four or five years ago. Um, and so since then uh, I've invested a, a stack of time in um, understanding more about coaching and what coaching excellence is, the difference between mentoring and coaching. Um, and that led me to last year uh, writing my book, which you mentioned, Life CEO. So, so, Ben, you mentioned there that one of the key moments for you was this idea of core values. You know, going from mm-hmm. the depressed state into you know, re-engaging again was, you know, identifying something that fitted in with your core values. So, mm-hmm. for people listening in, can you explain to them what a core value is and maybe how they can go about trying to figure out what their core values might be? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So my model, the reason the book was called Life CEO is that I apply pretty much the model that a CEO would apply when he was running a company. And that is the first, very first thing he'd do when he was employed to run the company is he'd go to the board and say, what's the purpose of the company? Why are we here? Why do we exist? You know, what are we here to achieve? What is the purpose of this company? What are the values of the company? And through a consultation with the board, he'd get an understanding of what the purpose of the company is. It's only then that he goes and writes up some plans, a plan of attack, sets some goals for the company, sets some KPIs for the company. And importantly, and that's the what I call, so first step is, is, pers- is, sorry, uh, is purpose. Second step is plans. Third step is then he determines what is the personality, what's the character, what's the ethos, what's the culture of our company. How do we want to behave as a company? And then finally, after all that's done, he then goes and does productivity. He then deploys the assets of time and money and energy and starts doing some stuff. And then eventually, uh, the fifth step is there's obviously then a profit and he reports back to the board. But he always starts with what's the purpose? Where, Where are we heading as a company? And so really, that's what identifying your values is about is What's really important? What are the core values that you want to live the life by? It's a big question, I reckon, Beno, because a lot of people don't really know what they're meant to be doing so, or what they want to get out of their life. And so I, I know at times, you know, people join multi-level marketing companies and they go to some rah-rah sessions or they go to Anthony Robbins seminars and they get all revved up or they, you know, they go and do some kind of personal development and they kind of get some kind of epiphany or they see someone driving a 7 Series BMW down the road and they go, oh, geez, I'd love that. So there's these little flashing moments of time that people kind of go, oh, that's what I'd love in my life. But how does somebody define what it is that they do want in their life? Mm. Often I find people and my clients find it tricky because of the fear of, wow, if that's the magnificence of what my life is to be about, have I got what it takes? I don't want to even look at that. I don't want to even explore the possibility of what my life might be like. And I'm just going to keep doing this thing. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what I should do. 
I should get a wife, I should get kids, I should get the 7 Series BMW, I should work harder, I should put more money in the bank. So people end up doing what they should do and they should on, either by themselves or their partner shoulds on them, their boss shoulds on them, the government shoulds on them, and they start doing what they should do rather than what they really, really want to do. Uh, It's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, But I have a process that that I go through with with clients in my book on how to really drag out your core values and then how to take those core values and then create some context around it, how to put them into a statement that you can then start using as the compass, as the direction for the decisions that you make. So you stop doing shoulds and instead you actually do what you really, really want. So many people are busy. Their lives are full, but they're not fulfilled. Uh, Hey, Ben. Yeah. I reckon a lot of people will hear this, though, and they'll think of this idea of, you know, thinking being the CEO of your life, and they'll hear you use words like profit. And I guess some people have, I guess, mixed feelings about that. You know, some people have, I guess, preconceived ideas about big business and big companies and, and companies who are just striving for profit and, and, you know, what their ethos is like and what their morals and their integrity and all those things is like. So people have this idea of, you know, when they think about big business, when they think about CEOs and think about companies, some people have a bit of a warped perception of what that might mean. And and then when they start thinking about applying that to their own life, they kind of think, well, you know, I don't want to be just all about money. I don't want to be just all about profit. So can you explain what you mean when you talk about CEO and when you talk about profit? Because I know your vision Mm -hmm. of it is much more than just Mm -hmm. making a dollar. Yeah, great. So profit is all about the deployment of your assets, your time and your money and your energy, that as a result of that, you've got more at the end of the day, the week, the month, or the year, more relationship, more health, more money, yes, more of a career, that that as a result of the deployment of assets, your life is better, but importantly, the world is also a better place. Whenever I get people to do their purpose statement, always in that purpose statement, there is something about them becoming better, but also about the world being left a better place. And if you look at the great companies out there that are making some serious coin and the ones that we truly love are the ones that are making money and they're also making the world a better place. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Sorry. That makes sense to me. So it's about helping people work out what they want to get from their life. And so the profiteering component of that is what do you actually get from your life? So is it more time to go camping? Is it more time to go to watch Richmond beat Port Adelaide in the preliminary final? Or is it uh, oh. to, you know, those sorts of things? That That's kind of what you're saying, isn't it, Benno? Yeah. Well, after the energy you put into your relationship with your wife or your husband, yeah. at the end of the day, is it better? Yeah, I mean, totally. It's not better. That's, that's profit. Um, From a time perspective, some people go, oh, my gosh, this just seems like it's going to take too much time. You know, I need more time in the day. And you go through that in the book. You actually talk about, you know, everyone's got 24 hours, um, and which I always say. People go, how do you have time to do all those things, Damo? I'm like, oh, well, we've all got the same amount of time. It's just, you know, how you allocate your time and what you do with your time. Um, how, do you, how do you respond to that, you know, kind of um, almost resistance to change when people say, I just don't have time for that sort of thing, Ben. I, I can't. I haven't got time. Yeah, we haven't got time not to. Uh, As you say, we've all got the same amount of time, but what we have is different priorities. Yeah, right. So it's more of a priority Uh, thing. So it's on the scale of things, like they're going, well, you know what, I really don't have time to do what you're suggesting because I'm making time to do this instead. 
Yeah, and it's a choice. One of the biggest things that I see in practice is people coming believing that they're not responsible for their life, that they don't have choice. And we coach on this extensively. We, you know, drum it in that every single thing, and this can be tricky and maybe there's some of your listeners that are going to get kind of weird about this, but everything that has happened in your life, you are responsible for. And that can be a big one for some people to swallow. I see, but, I see what you did there with yeah. that word. <laughs> that you are responsible. That despite whatever happens to you, and a great book by Malcolm Gladwell called um, um, David and Goliath, he talks about this and he talks about that, that he gives a number of examples where, you know, someone has, a, has a, a loved one killed and murdered and they become bitter and twisted and dark and someone else has a loved one killed and murdered and they, they change the world. Same event, different response. You are responsible for everything that happens in your life. And that's a double-edged sword. At one end, you can go, that sucks, really? No, I'm not responsible for losing that money. No, I'm not responsible for marriage breaking up. No, I'm not responsible for getting sick. Well, if you're not responsible, you're screwed. Because forever in life, there'll be something outside of you you're saying that's always going to influence your life and guide where your life's going to be. The other edge of the sword says if you are responsible, then you can change it. If you are responsible for your circumstances, then you can be responsible for making change. So helping people understand that everything in their life is a choice. They're always making the best choice that they've got available. And through my coaching, I help people make better choices. Uh, but responsibility is a big one. And I guess with that responsibility, you know, what you're talking about is, you know, the different options to take different directions. And this kind of fits into uh, one of the other big factors in your book where you talk about personality, you know, because I think a lot of the time people want to become better at life or better at business. And so they try and find someone who's done it well and, and do it their way, you know, as opposed to, I guess, trying to find your own way. You know, is that what you're trying to get across to people in that personality chapter is that, you know, you don't have to do it like someone else. You have to figure out, what it is that works for you. Mm. It's not what you need to do. It's who you need to be. So we often look at someone that's doing something and we go, I'm just, I, just, I just do what they do. But, but it's hard work, you know, because it, it's not necessarily in alignment with your purpose. So recognising that who you be is really, really, really important, not what you need to do. Most of my coaching, probably 70 to 80, 90% of it is helping people be better not coaching them on what they need to do. I'll leave what they need to do up to them. I help them be the person that can get the stuff done. Um, you know, I, I'm attending a, a social media marketing thing on the on the weekend coming up on Saturday, and um, they're going to go through a heap of social media stuff that you can do in your healthcare practice. But there's going to be a heap of people leave, and they won't do it because they're not being the person that gets the stuff done. We all know how to lose weight. We all know how to get more muscle. Uh, we all pretty much probably know how we can have a better massive marriage. There's some simple things that you can actually do, but you've got to be the person that does it. So character is super important. Clients often say to me too, you know, I just want to be me. Well, you can be anything you want to be. Who I'm being with you on the on this on this call right now is different to the person I'm going to be when I'm in bed with my wife tonight uh, or, you know, when I, when I wake the kids up in the morning and greet them first thing in the morning. And it's different to who I be when I'm with a coaching client. Yeah. So you get to choose. We need to, yeah, it's not. Yeah, we get to choose who we be. 
You know, there's yeah. um, there's part in the book you, uh, that you talk about this in where you talk about who you be and, you know, you get to be who you choose to be. Um, but you highlight a really important thing, which I've been talking about for years as well in my Power of Food talks, is that there's this imprint phase uh, from the age of, say, zero to seven. I think in the book yeah. you say one to seven. Um, but essentially, that's kind of your operating system. That's what you've given. Um, and that's kind of what you default to. And most people, and there's an old saying, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it says, um, many, a, many a, a river and many a crooked man and many a crooked river has been made by the path of least resistance, something like that. And, mm. and it seems easy for people to go back to their default. So it seems easy for people to go back to what the imprint period was, say, between 0 or 1 and 7. How do we help people get beyond that? Because their habits or the things that they know how to handle, their default kind of um, responses were built in that period of time. H how is it that we can help people move through that? Well, that's a big conversation, but uh, yes, you're right. Zero to three, uh, we, we basically don't have much of an ego. and We take everything in. We're just we're open to sucking everything. And you look at a, a two-year-old kid, they'll pick up everything, they'll suck on everything, they'll pull everything, they'll tear everything apart. They'll, they'll go and explore their world. Uh, you know, if a couple of kids are throwing bricks at a wall, that little two-year-old will walk in front of those bricks. It has no sense of what's safe and what's not. But from the age of three onwards, ego starts to come up and they start having a sense of where danger might be. And from three to seven, as you said, from three to seven, they start developing a belief around what is true. Now, there's a, a quote in my book and I, I flipped past it just earlier and I can't remember what it was, but it's something like, I would never die for my beliefs because they might be wrong. So between the age of zero and seven, we develop these beliefs around how the, the world works, how the game of life works. From seven to 14, we then go out into the world and we start to gather evidence that our beliefs are true. So, uh, and we're doing that now as adults. Everything we see, we run through a filter. And if it matches our belief, we go, yeah, see, I'm right. Or if it doesn't match our filter, then ego comes up and either deletes it, so we don't even get to see it, distorts it, twists the truth, um, or generalizes it, puts it into some kind of generalization. And so we can only see what is us. You, there is no truth. There only is our version of the truth. There is only our representation <laughs> of what the truth is. So this this kind of gets it gets scary to think. Well, what is true? Yeah, uh, and that so kind of leads into the next question I was going to ask, Ben, which mm -hmm. is around fear. Because, um, you know, I guess when people have been had these beliefs and had these behaviours and had these patterns for a long period of time, mm. it becomes very comfortable, you know, and, and then moving out of that comfort zone uh, encompasses a lot of fear. And so for a lot of people, that that's often what holds them back, either consciously or sometimes subconsciously, of, of making that change is the fear of what mm. if, you know, what if it gets worse? What if it gets better? You know, this fear of change is such a powerful driver for the human body, I think, because of... Uh, you know, because of our nature, because of our history as a, a tribal sort of society where, you know, fitting in was so important, then we, yeah. we don't like to necessarily change. How do we overcome that fear? Mm, spot on, Brett. Uh, you never do. So fear is always going to be with you. And, and, and that's what's, you know, that's what's so great. I talk with clients around three, three levels of life. I talk about the stuck life or the trap life. 
the tepid life and the turned on life. And the turned on life is the life where, you know, life feels like you're about to get on a roller coaster. I don't know whether you guys got on a roller coaster recently, but you know, you're standing in line and you're looking at the roller coaster and you're nervous about getting on and your heart's kind of racing. But at the same time, you've got a stupid grin on your face. That nervous excitement is when you're about to do something that may cause some growth, some personal growth, that you're excited about, but you're also nervous about taking that step. It's like the feeling you get when you kiss that girl or the boy for the very first time. You know, you're excited about the potential, but also nervous about whether they're going to accept you. So whenever we cross the line from the known into the unknown, you will always experience fear. And it's fear of three core, three really core things. And you mentioned one of them is the fear of belonging. You know, do I belong to the tribe? The fear of not being good enough. Or one that's common is the fear of not being loved. And when we get to the edge and we go to step over and that fear comes up, if we don't step over the line and we turn around, as we turn, symptoms of fear will start to arise. Anger, frustration, tiredness, procrastination, perfectionism, overwhelm. Uh, the body protects us and, and produces these symptoms. Um, and unfortunately, there's been many people that have, that have experienced it so often and they keep going back and back. They've kind of worn this, what I call a fear circle, this fear track. And so when they go to do something that's a little scary again next time, they've got a reference from last week or last year that they chickened out and didn't make the phone call didn't have the conversation and they turn around again and they get stuck and it's stuck in this comfort zone that eventually, I believe, causes people to do depression. Depression is just way too much certainty, way too much comfort and it's driven by fear, as you said. That's a... Uh... It's a great way to finish off this podcast, Beno, because it'll leave people thinking, going, what do you mean do depression? I got depression and it wasn't my fault. So I think it's a really great thing to, to leave people thinking about, um, you know, just kind of pondering, what, what does Ben mean by that? Beno, when people come and get your book, when they buy your book or they, you know, um, jump on your website to get more from you, um, what, what should they expect? What should they expect when they read this book? What's the outcome that they will get when they read your book? Well, the book is, uh, you know, one of the one of the most common things that I see is, um, and, and uh, the, the old saying by, uh, there's been a few people that quote this, but uh, Tony Robbins talks about knowledge is not power, it's the application, it's action on the knowledge that is power. So throughout my book, not only am I giving you knowledge, but each chapter has, has pretty much every chapter has got some kind of activity for you to do. So that you, it's not just something you read, but it's something you then start applying in your life. Yeah. Uh, and as you go through the, the chapters, there's activities to do. Uh, each of the, the activities is often a resource that you can download through from my website for free um, so they can complete the activity. It makes it a lot easier. Uh, so if anyone does get the book, I encourage them, don't just read the book, do the activities, apply it in your life. Knowledge is not power, action is. So the book's full of you taking action. I love it. I love it. So, yep. Don't uh, if you if you don't feel like doing anything, don't worry about buying the book. Although you know, I have to say, like I when I was reading the book and I read the book all the way through and I loved it, Ben. I so thank you. And it was, as I said, it was really interesting to just read your insights and hear you read it to me because it's it, I know you so well. It was, it was quite cool. So, um, 
I haven't done the exercises. I'll say I'll tell you that straight away. But I really enjoyed the read at the same time. But I do know that if I did do the exercises, then my life would probably, you know, take another turn or be, you know, even better than what it already is. So do that. You know, do those things, everybody. But if you do want to find out more about Ben, go to drbencarvoso.com. So it's dr ben carvoso and carvoso. That we'll put that in our show notes. So you can just go to the show notes and check that out. Um, but Ben, can they buy the book online from you? Yeah, if they go to lifeceo.com, okay. um, that, that will eventually lead them to our website. So if that's easier for them to remember, lifeceo.com. Yeah. Uh, and they can, they can get the book from Amazon. They can get it from uh, some good bookstores. Um, that's the best way for people to get it. So my website has uh, – it's got uh, uh, the first few chapters they can download for free as a start. Uh, I've also got a life scorecard on there that they can, again, take for free, and it, it, it gives you some insights to where you're at. Nice. In, in five aspects of my book. Uh, and then as a result of whatever your score is, uh, it'll give you some tips that you can apply in your life straight away. So that's scorecards on my website as well. Nice. Oh, I like that's that. I like that. I didn't hear that. I didn't read that bit. I'm going to have to check out the scorecard, Damo. You and I have to. Let's Damo and I can do the scorecard and have a competition. And I reckon see my score is going to be better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be looking out for your results. Straight up, straight up. That sounds great. But I thanks so much for joining us on the Wellness Guy Show. It's been a real pleasure to have you on here. And it's really nice to know how you're going in life these days, and you're just kicking goals again. So congratulations, mate, on all you've achieved. Thanks, Domo. It's been it's been just a blast. I've loved it. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Thank Ben. You. Thanks, Brad. Cheers. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au and to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.